Good evening, everybody. This is Jeff Morton, my host, your host. <laughs> I know Dina's sitting out there somewhere. Hi, Dina. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing this evening, my friend? I'm doing really well. I uh, had a wonderful day here in New Mexico. The weather was outstanding, so I went for a long walk and processed. That's what I do when I walk. Well, it's been rainy and cloudy and typical here, so um, uh, maybe. But I did see something that when I was driving home this evening, I saw green flowers coming up out of the or the beginning of, of spring coming up out of certain uh yards that I was driving by, and I thought, good, thank God, we're going to have some spring and some beautiful weather here soon. Uh, but anyway, I know you'll join me in thanking Brad for stopping by last week. Yeah, and just to, to mention to everybody that our show is called Returning to Eden, and so kind of everything, that's the theme as we talk about various aspects of the temple. Yeah, I, I just wanted to share, I mean, I had a great time with Brad. Um, we Brad was uh, contacted by uh, Dr. Ann Davis here, Bible Interact in Albuquerque. I do some work for them as well. And he recorded, well, we're, together we recorded 12 shows, and it was all about the tabernacle. And I have to say it was one of the most fun-type venues I've, I've really <laughs> done. So typically, you know, I go into the studio uh, to film. I'm by myself. Half the time, if I have a camera operator, he falls asleep. One time, he was even snoring, and I was trying to talk louder than his snoring <laughs> while I was being recorded. But it's usually a fairly lonely experience. So to go in and to sit with somebody who, you know, Brad studied the tabernacle a lot. He's, he's written a book about it. So we were just, we went through these 12 programs like it was nothing. The two of us were going, wow, that was fast. And so we started, you know, basically with the structure and we followed Exodus 25 and we discussed, you know, the ark and all the various vessels. And, and we just sort of followed the template that's outlined there in, in Exodus. But we were able to bounce off one another because both of us know our topic well. And I think there's just sort of a dimension about the whole thing that I think it's going to be great programming. So just uh, for our listeners, it'll be a couple of weeks, likely. But if you're uh, at all familiar with Bible Interact, you can go on Roku, look for Bible Interact, and just save it. And that uh, that series will be up there, you know, in, at some point. And I I think it's I I thought it was great, and I hope I get to do it again. So I mean, any, doing anything with Brad Scott is always going to be fun because he's such a fun person, and oh, uh, yeah. you know he. He's recovering from the car accident that he had. So we just want our audience to know that uh, Brad Scott is very much loved by both Dina and myself. In fact, when I met Brad, it was in 2007, and he was at a conference, and he had a table full of this endless material I'd never seen before. Uh, and, of course, I didn't know any of this stuff. And uh, he was generous. and he's, We sat down and talked for quite a while. And uh, that's my first memory of Brad and uh, how generous he was and warm and inviting and funny. And yeah. we've since uh, we've since bumped into each other several times. We've cried on each other's shoulders a couple of times. You know, we we're just all doing life together, folks. And so Brad is the person that we just really, really love. Dina, I, I did you do all 12 shows with him? Yeah. Yeah, we did. We knocked him out in two days. I just <laughs> was like remarkable. But I found I wasn't tired. Like typically when I'm filming program after program after program, 
I, I get really tired and I lose my train of thought and it's just, it's just wearying. But this was just, we've stimulated each other through the whole, you know, through the whole 12 programs and, you know, Brad is funny. And so we were both, you know, cracking jokes. <laughs> Some yep. of them were kind of yep. silly and, you know, towards the 12th program, they were, you know, very silly, but I think overall that type of format is really healthy and it shows the folks how when two people are having a, a discussion, how one bounces off the other and stimulates the other and, and you know, different. Th- I, I had no notes, nothing. And he, wow. he kind of had a, an outline and I just figured, okay, well, let's just see where our brains end up. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really wanting to do more of that. So I'm, I'm hoping some of the venues that I film in will be open to having a little more discussion like that. I mean, that's what people do on Shabbat. You know, they discuss the Torah portion. So that's essentially what we were doing with the tabernacle. Well, if for anybody in the audience, uh, I don't, for anyone in the audience who does not know who Brad Scott is, I encourage you to go check out his website. It's Wild Branch Ministries, or just type in Brad Scott. You'll get about 15 pages that come up on Google, uh, and you can uh, just kind of sit and salivate on all the material he's done for the last 40 or 50 years. Uh, but anyway, uh, thank you, Brad. Uh, we love you. And uh, tonight, folks, we're going to do something a little different. We're kind of <clears throat> we're kind of going to depart a little bit from the knowledge of everything that we're trying to do and, uh, and share. And of course, if you, I know Dana, you will agree with me. If you've got a lot of knowledge and you have no wisdom, then you might as well go sit in the corner by yourself. So, um, we just believe that we're, we're trying to bring a whole lot of information to you based on ancient Near East covenant treaty laws, certainly the temple and the tabernacle, obviously the Torah and certainly the good news of the gospel message. We see it all as one thing. Uh, that, that the Father is communicating to the whole world. And so through those parallels and all of the things that I know, Dina, you've studied for 35 years, the knowledge is wonderful, but if we don't adhere to the principles and the values by which the Father has created all of this, then it really affords us nothing. And I know you'll speak to that, Dina, and, and agree with that. Yeah, it's really pretty empty if all you are is, you know, walking knowledge. <laughs> um, one of the things I, I tell people... For me, having studied these many years, my process time is every bit as important as the actual research. So typically in a, in a day for me, I get up fairly early and I'll start, I've been working on my book. And of course, part of I'm still doing some research. But every afternoon I go out and walk for at least an hour and that gives me time to just take the material and run it through my mind and process it and kind of see, you know, what, what is the father showing me? And then in my prayer time in the morning, you know, he'll reveal things. So all of this is essential. You can't just sit there and just study and, and fill your brain with information uh, without taking the time that's needed to work through that information. You know, sometimes I have to put everything away for, you know, maybe a week, two weeks, sometimes even a month, because it's just, it's not, I'm, I don't see it. And uh, I, I tell people every once in a while, you know, I'll drive into town, go to the grocery store, and there I am in the fruit section, you know, buying <laughs> stuff. And suddenly the wind, the light bulb goes on and I get a connection that I just hadn't seen before. So that that idea of process time and that, uh, again, applying the principles, et cetera, will, will bring wisdom. And wisdom and knowledge are essentially two different animals. 
And and I'm sure all of our listeners would agree in that wisdom is critical, but uh, wisdom is is living it out and maturing in the information and having it apply to your life and and seeing how it weaves through the scriptures. So it's it, uh, you know essential is is growing in wisdom. Well, speaking of which, I've been reading Messaliah Yeshurim by Moses Luzado. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and for me, I have an absolute love for people. I, I think, if, folks, if you get to know anything about Jeff Moore, you realize that he believes, I believe, that when the Father created humanity, he created something amazing, amazing. And so I tend to see the world through that amazement. And so for me, you know, I remember when I first started coming into all of these understandings, I was like, I was like a truck going downhill with no brakes. And... <laughs> uh I've since realized that the whole reason that we're learning all of this stuff and being a part of all of this stuff is to really, in my opinion, benefit someone else, be a light for someone else, and to to take all of the information that you have, all the knowledge that you have, and help someone else in this world make things a better, make make life a better place. And that's kind of what I've learned. Uh, over the last five or six years, but certainly in the last two years, that I, I'm sitting here reading this book. I'm reading Leviticus by Milgram. I've got a couple of other things that I'm involved in trying to learn and whatnot. And the one thing that screams out at me all the time is this means nothing if you're not helping somebody, if you're not doing something to make somebody else's life a little better or a little different or whatever that might be, which, uh, which uh, brings up my... The reason why we wanted to kind of take a departure from uh, just kind of giving you a bunch of knowledge this night, we just want to kind of be a little personal with you. And I know, Dina, you're working on your book, and I've got a lot of things going on. But why don't you tell folks a little bit about where you are with the book and, and, and all the things that Dina's doing uh, with yeah. your, that, you know, that, that you're willing to share with our audience? Yeah, it's, I've been extremely busy. I've got a lot in the pipeline. And as I mentioned earlier, so the, if you haven't uh, purchased my first book, The Temple Revealed in Creation, I would really encourage you to do that because each book is kind of going to build on the previous one. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel and go back over all the information and all whatever I wrote in the first book. But this uh, second one is called uh, The Temple Revealed in the Garden. And I'm not really sure on the subtitle yet. It might be called Sons of God or something like that. I don't know. But anyways, it, it, it's been a real challenge. I The first book went very easy. I mean, I just sat down and wrote that thing in a few months, and I, I thought, this is great. This one, on the other hand, has not gone so well. And I, as I was mentioning earlier, that whole concept of process time, I've been processing for months, and I'm going, okay, Lord, I've been processing. It's time for me to write. But uh, this week I've been particularly productive, and I hope to have Chapter 1 finished here shortly. Chapter <laughs> 1? Yeah, that's, that's okay. about – well, each, each chapter is going to be about 10,000 words. So this, this book's uh, basically five chapters, uh, 50,000 words. But the thing is when you're writing – so I'm writing in that style that I did in the first book. I, I took – uh, Bible passages, narratives, and I wrote in a, a fictional style, what we call creative nonfiction. And so it gives you an opportunity to sort of fill in the gaps of the story. And we know full well, I mean, just read the garden story. There's a whole lot of gaps. 
So I am trying, uh, you know, again, it's fictional. It's out of the imaginations of my own mind. But tucked away in the story, what I did was there's all these little hidden clues in there. And some people may never see them, but I have tucked away in the storyline things, connections in the scriptures. And, you know, some of you will recognize some of them. It may take a few times to read it. But it's very difficult to write this in that style. And then, of course, you know, the whole editing process after that, it's, it, it's been a challenge, but it's been a lot of fun. I hope people enjoy the story because it's totally outside the box. Uh, I have basically, in, in my opinion, uh, my, as I understand it, and, you know, we could argue till the cows come home, but Adam, the concept of his forming and the breath of life being blown into him, it's not so much about the substantive creative aspect of a human being and what he's made out of, what his substance are, substances are. It's more the fact that he was, if you will, the first king and high priest over the sacred space. That's what his creation was. So that, in looking at it that way, it's not to say that there isn't a life and a world out there outside of him. Obviously, we don't know for sure, but the ancient Near East cultures in ancient Mesopotamia, they were very highly technical, technological, very savvy, very highly civilized, you know, if you will. So I actually started Adam off in um, the city of Uruk in southern Mesopotamia. Now, that particular city had a goddess uh, over it. Her name was Inanna. So I have this whole sort of thing going on there, and he's basically called out of that environment of these, all these worshiping, all these false gods, if you will. And he's called to the place, he's called to Canaan, although it's not Canaan then, and he's called to become the first high priest king over the garden. So there's a lot of um, interesting dialogue in there and just, you know, where he goes and how he gets there. All of the background is is accurate. Uh, the basic background takes us from about 2500 BCE till maybe about 4000. So the descriptions in there are accurate. Uh, but the, obviously the story is uh, made up, <laughs> but with lots of insertions. So the last few days I've been working on the actual, the dialogue with Hava and the, and the snake and who the snake might be and the, the coronation of the two in the garden. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> well, I, I really uh, see, I understand what she's saying folks. Uh, but if you, if, if you just went, what, what did she just say? I know. I, I would, <laughs> I, I always say, you know, if the father's restoring us and returning us, it typically means we have to leave where we are or go away from what we think. And so um, I believe after 10 years of, of being on this road, uh, I think completely different than I did. And certainly books like Dina Dies, The Temple and Creation, uh, <clears throat> and other materials that I've learned, and particularly uh, following the patterns and the themes, there's a lot of things that uh, I no longer uh, that just they don't have validity in in the biblical narrative for me. So that's why we're doing this show, returning to Eden. So Dina, when do you think you're going to have your book done? Um, I'm hoping uh, sort of mm, maybe end of June, early July, 
uh, that it'll be finished. And then it goes off to, you know, for the, to the editor, that's a whole process. And then formatting the book, you know, all of that takes at least a month to six weeks. So uh, hopefully early September, it'll be done. Um, I've got a number of things coming up in the fall and into the winter. So I really want that to be ready. Uh, and let me just mention, uh, you know, since we've been talking about the temple, um, I'll be doing a temple course, a four-day course in Orlando, Florida, January 11th through 14th. And that will be with Rico Cortez and uh, Joseph Good. We're doing, a, you know, an intensive temple, con- well, it's not really a conference, it's really a course seminar type thing. So if you're at all interested, I mean, if, you know, if you want your entire paradigm changed in four days, uh, come and join us and uh, just go to Rico's site, Wisdom and Torah, and you can um, re- you can register for the conference. And he's, he's, he set it up so that you can pay it off in, in over a number of months. You don't have to provide the funds all at once. But I want to I really want to have the book ready for for that, because I'm going to be sharing from my from the second book at that course, um, more so probably than the first. Well, I knew you were going to be I knew Rico was going to be doing this down in Orlando or I think it's Orlando, right? Could you just yes, say that? it's in Orlando. Well, yeah. I didn't know that you were you were involved in actually going down there. But folks, if you want a paradigm shift about the temple and understanding the temple and all, I mean, I know that we could sit here and have we could start a conversation about the temple and the tabernacle that could last for ten years. Uh, so four days is kind of yeah, it's a snapshot. <laughs> but when you begin to see what the the wisdom behind what the father's doing, if, and I will say this until I'm in the dust, if you can just step away from a religious mind and start looking at the world from a kingdom perspective, you'll see clearly how the father is restoring his kingdom Amen. in the earth yeah. as opposed to um, some of the things that we've, we've grown accustomed to understanding over the last two years or, ten, or two, 2000 years. But anyway, uh, I've got, is there anything else you want to add David, to that? Well, I just, uh, as far as the book, the focus of the book is on the kingship. I think we don't have a very good understanding of what that means. And so, Everything about this book in the garden has to do with the king, as I take us from Adam all the way to Yeshua. Well, and I I certainly understand that, because when we start talking about the tabernacle, whether Adam became a high priest, we see the pattern that the father always had one person who could go into the Holy of Holies or into the, the sacred space one time a year. That pattern didn't just happen. It's a shadow of the kingdom of heaven and how things are done in the heavenly tabernacle and so when we start really seeing it for what it really is we begin to realize that the separation between there and here is just space Mm -hmm. but not not principle and that's what the whole kingdom thing is all about so Mm -hmm. uh and i really get that and and really when you when you really stop and think about how important the temple was to all of the ancient world it was the center of their communities. And I will say this again. We are not something new. We are a product of all of that. So when you look at the White House, you're seeing a temple in the same way that it would have been understood back then. It was the center of all the activity of the community. In our case, all the center of the activity of 50 states 
or 50 vassals. So we're not different from that day and age. We're a product of it. And once we begin to understand that, you'll see that all these centralized governments that the world has are really just a template of the way the Father set up everything according to the temple outside of time. I, I think I said that okay, Dina. Amen. <laughs> well, um, I got a few things going on too, folks. In fact, I don't even know how I'm breathing right now. I've got a lot going on. Uh, I leave on the 22nd uh, to go down to Peru. Uh, I'm flying. I fly out at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> out of Seattle. That's going to be fun. Better you than me. <laughs> I spent 10 days down there. Uh, and I'm, I'm going down to, if, you, if you're following my stuff, I'm going down to, uh, to a home for girls who are being restored, being rescued, really, uh, with my good friend Rick Davis-Coach, who started this ministry several years ago. And he's invited me to come down and participate. He, he recently said to me, oh, I've got you speaking over here, and i got you speaking over there, and uh, can you fix my shower? And <laughs> <laughs> So my first venue to South America is going to be serving Amen. not only the little girls, but others that I'm certainly going to be bringing this message with me. So I would appreciate your prayers in, in that arena. Uh, and, and also, uh, my wife and I, are, are we haven't owned a home in 10 years. And so we finally, we were able to um, qualify for a home. So I'll be looking for a home and doing all those things. And uh, then I've got something that's, that uh, I'm a little... Um, well, Dina, you, you, why don't you talk about Israel Television Network? Oh, okay. So uh, for those of you who are not familiar, there's a new network. It started up about mid-January called Israel TV Network. It is uh, being presented as a network that is totally 100% in support of Israel and basically described as a Jewish Christian network. The goal of this network is to create uh, multiple channels, and each channel will feed into sort of the main default channel. And so that will include um, a Jewish channel, a Christian channel, a women's channel, a men's channel, a movie channel, a music channel, an Israel TV products channel, a messianic channel, a roots channel, a an events channel, a cowboy church channel. You get my drift. I think there's 21. Obviously, it's going to take some time. But I was invited to teach on that network. I was very excited. I went down to Amarillo and filmed a bunch of programs. And you can go on to the website, Israel TV Network. You can watch everything there for free, as well as their Roku station. They're on 30-plus different platforms, all free. And, again, all, all this, the channels are not all up yet. I think there's maybe about five or six. But it's really been a blessing and uh, the people that I work with are just wonderful. And, and for me, just to have another venue, I'm excited. So, Jeff, uh, sh why don't you share a little bit about what's going to happen for you in Israel TV Network? Well, one of, one of the core things uh, that, I, that I'm focused on in addition to all of what Dean and I talk about is I, I really believe that if we're, if we're at the end times, and I, I, um, I say that lightly, but if we are here, uh, racism, bigotry, and anti-Semitism in the house of the Lord, uh, we just have to really deal with that. And so I spend hours and hours and hours and hours trying to encourage the believer 
that if the father's going to judge the house first, we should probably clean up the racism, the bigotry, and the anti-Semitism in his house. Amen. Because he's talking to, the entire Bible is talking to those of us who respond to the very reason why it exists. And if we're going to participate in the things that God has planned for us, and I love Jeremiah 29, I think it's 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you to prosper you to, you know, if you know what I'm talking about. Well, I just believe that uh, the, the God that we serve is not color blind. He's color beautiful. We're the ones that are color blind. And so I believe that, you know, fighting anti-Semitism, racism and bigotry in the house of the Lord is a calling that the father put on my heart in 2009. And so uh, a couple of people from Israel TV network saw my stuff, Brant, um, uh, Brant Fricker, and I've talked to Rick Wage. Uh, they've invited me to, to, to produce a program specifically with regards to fighting, speaking, addressing, and dealing with racism, bigotry, and anti-Semitism. And so I've had been in talks with them now for a while, particularly Brant Fricker, and he has said... Whatever you need, we'd like to see you get this show on our on the Israel TV network. So I've asked uh, Daniel Karalash, who's a friend of mine. He's a young man. I think he's all of 24 years old. Uh, just a brilliant young person. And I, I believe in extending a hand to the young folks uh, to help me do this. And also uh, Bonnie Adams, who are friends of mine. I'm going to name them. So we're putting together several episodes that we can go ahead and send down there. And I'm not sure how all this is going to gel together between finding a home to purchase, uh, going to Peru, and then coming back and putting all of this stuff together. So, But I'm excited about all of this yeah. because, because it's, it's an opportunity for me to take this message um, <clears throat> to a greater audience. And, and I really mean this from the depth of my heart. There's nothing in the Bible that taught us anti-Semitism, racism, and bigotry. And so I think if we're going to, we're going to talk about all the things that we've learned. There's a few things we need to unlearn in the body. And that's the ministry of Uncoloring Race, which is what I do. Um, I wrote a book about it. The, to, to, the truth be told, the father woke me up in the middle of the night and the whole concept of uncoloring yourself from, really I call it, and I'm going to be brutally honest, uncoloring yourself from the stupidity of racism, bigotry, and anti-Semitism. If we're supposed to honor our neighbors, then we can't afford to be like them when it comes to those three topics. And unfortunately, anti-Semitism, racism, and bigotry goes to church and synagogue too. And I just believe that we need to stand up and fight against that and keep fighting about it. Let's face it, folks. The world outside of what we're all about is its its insane. It, it is, I had a uh, rabbi think tell me, not understanding the things of the Torah is insanity. And I, I couldn't agree more. And if you have no concept of the Gospels, then without those two things in your life, you're living insane. And I actually believe that. And we just want to kind of bring sanity back to the house. So, Dina, uh, we just got a few minutes left. Um, we got a few seconds left. I yeah. guess I'll let you close it all off. Uh, well. Uh, we just pray blessings on you as you go down to Arequipa, and we just pray that the that the Father would bless Rick Davis Court and and those little girls 
and that he's teaching the Torah to them. It's just amazing. So this audience is really all a part of that. And we appreciate your prayers for each of us and all our different, all the different things that we were doing. Um, And, uh, you know, next week we'll kind of pick it up and talk more about the temple. But we wanted to just share uh, some personal things of what's going on and the context in which we're teaching all this. So um, shalom to everybody. See you next time. Shalom, shalom. Bye-bye.